Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the Fateful and for the Fateful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Uh, well, we're we're uh, we've been off the podcast uh, game beat. Your light went out there. We we haven't done a podcast on a game in a while here, so uh, that was a nice break. If I'm completely honest, um, uh, but it's good to be back. And um, it's good to be back on a 5-2 Oilers win. This this isn't, what do they call the old trap game? That's the big expression. Yeah. I don't know why I felt this was a trap game, but I just I just had a bad feeling about tonight. And it could have easily been bad, but uh, some good things happen along the way, and we'll, we'll be getting at that. This is our Two Good Things, Two Bad Things, Two Numbers podcast. And um, because it was a... a important orders win they're going to all be important of course as the yep. season winds down but we will go with two good things each so what bruce why don't you kick it off yeah well i'm going to not look any further than the man between the pipes tonight uh jack campbell uh i thought he was really strong in this game uh throughout really i mean he had no chance at all on the on the first goal which was i mean basically a two on zero in front of the net uh, maybe a slight chance on the second goal, which was essentially a, 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 an unmolested man shooting from right in front of the net. And otherwise, he faced down in the third period with a one-goal lead, two clear-cut breakaways, and fended both off with sensational saves. I thought both of them. One was a glove grab on a wicked shot just inside the post, and the other, uh, the guy... Uh, Oiler killer there, Kubelik, made the deke and uh, uh, got it under Campbell's first pad, but he was able to get it with the back pad and keep that one out and, and find the rebound and cover it up before scrums developed, of which there were many in this game, by the way. Uh, but too many of them occurred on plays where Oilers were late getting back and were desperately trying to clear the crease so <laughs> Campbell could get up after another save. And he made uh, two, two, uh, two against on 32 shots. And what do we have? Grade A chances at 17? 17 to 12, Bruce. 17 to 12. So this was the first game. Like we have this definition of when a goalie steals a game, and it's if your team's been um, out chanced by four grade A shots, which is about since they go in about 25% of the time. That's one goal. This is the first time all year, Bruce, that the Oilers have been. Outchanced by um, by that standard by four grade A shots. It was five in this game, and they've won with Campbell in net. So mm-hmm. it's the first time he's stolen a game all year, and he was he was fantastic. He really made some great saves. He looked very agile, athletic, uh, quick in the net. I thought, mm-hmm. and um, there was one deflected play that he looked particularly good in the third period as well. He he came up really big down the stretch. And there was another play where there was a deadly pass going through the blue paint that looked like it was going to get tapped home, and he whipped his uh, stick out and picked it off before it got to the uh, would-be goal scorer. I was going to say pass receiver, but I think that guy would have scored. And, and uh, uh, that was just a very alert alert play. I love goalies that can keep the puck out of their own blue paint. If, you know, if they're just quick enough with their stick to do that, you can, get, you can uh, save yourself some grief, and he sure did on that play. And uh, I liked his uh, I liked his puck movement. Uh, I thought the first period a little bit he was fighting it with uh, rebound control. A couple hit him right in the in the in the uh, catching glove and came right back out. 
the old frying pan save, you know. But uh, after that, he uh, he seemed to get dialed in, and uh, there was no untoward rebounds. And I just thought he played a pretty tidy game all the way around. And he had his uh, he had his teams back tonight, and he was a huge factor in winning the game. He was named the third star of this game, but uh, I'm I'm not <coughs> to their credit. They gave all three stars to Oilers tonight. You don't usually see that in a road game. But uh, I'm not sure it's fair to Detroit, frankly, because I thought they had a pretty decent game, that young team. They did. They really did. You mentioned Kubalik, the Oilers uh, killer. There was mm-hmm. a couple times there was a late power play. Um, this is before Edmonton scored its fourth goal mm-hmm. when Detroit was down one. And Kubalik got the puck. And I, he should have shot twice. And he went for the pass back across the crease. Both times, though, I thought, man, this this could be a goal. And he passed it both times. I was so grateful because that was a mistake. Well, I thought the passes were going to result in a goal, but somehow it just didn't ever quite go right. They sure had the order's defense flopping around from one yeah. side to the other like windshield wash wipers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, they never could get the, the telling shot away on net. <laughs> That's what it's like. Like on defense, it's just like this chaos at some point. You're just going yeah. this way and that. You're just yeah, See four guys all on. scrambling in the same yeah. direction. It's usually it's just trouble. a nightmare. <laughs> and they, Detroit had him going. That was a really impressive <laughs> performance by the Detroit team, I, 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 I thought, actually. Yeah. They, they have, they've got some talent on that team. Mm-hmm. It's the best the Detroit's team has looked in a long, in a long while. Mm-hmm against the Oilers. Bruce, my uh, first good thing will be the Oilers' first goal because the Oilers were, you know, the King, uh, the, excuse me, the uh, Red Wings got up one to nothing. <clears throat> and uh, you just never know what's going to happen next because if the other team gets up two to nothing, yes, the Oilers can come back, but usually not. It's just really hard to come back from two nothing. Um, it's, 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 so it's early in the uh, second period. And this this play um, was by a couple of my favorite uh, Oilers hockey players. I um, I'm a huge Philip Broberry fan, and um, he hasn't provided much offense this year. He's uh, he has no goals. He hasn't been in a lot of Grade A shots. He hasn't he hasn't had many uh, Grade A shots himself. I don't know if he's got any. And uh, but he does have offensive game. He can really dangle with the puck. And uh, he can make a pass, and we saw that when he played in Sweden. Like this guy can, this guy can can do a bit on the attack. You just haven't seen it yet at Edmonton. He he did lead the Bakersfield power play, for instance, and it was a fairly good power play, I think, when he was on it. Anyway, on this play, um, he he, um, he gets the puck in the neutral zone, kind of on a counter attack, and charges down the wing. He he never looks like he's going too fast because he's a very smooth very smooth hockey player, very smooth on his skates. But he's moving mm-hmm. and he makes an absolutely gorgeous pass back um uh kind of a drop pass cross ice pass to uh, Ryan McLeod who's, who's coming in late. Evander Kane goes hard to the net, which is cleared up the passing lane somewhat. But very good eyes by Philip Broberry and a very nice pass right on the stick. McLeod then gets the puck and he's uh, coming down the the right. He's kind of at the right side up high in the uh, slot area. And he he makes an absolutely fantastic goal scorers play. Um, He cuts right across the slot and gets the goalie moving side to side. 
And right at the end, he kind of does a little mohawk, actually, and then fires the puck. And it's that fast movement and then mo- uh, shot and mohawk all, all in one motion. The goalie just can't keep up to it. Really, Huso can't keep up to it. And um, McLeod uh, scores a fabulous goal. Maybe maybe in, in terms of like a goal scorer's goal, the best goal he scored in the NHL. Beautiful so shot too, eh? Like he, he held right. it and then then he changed the shooting angle and then he whizzed it right inside that short side post before Huso could pick up the where the shooting lane was going to be and just zinged it right in there. And that was that was really nice. The, Here's the bro- player who's go ahead, sorry. The Broberg play there, by the way, was uh uh it was four on four, and Kane had tried to deke about four guys in a row in his own zone, and he finally comes out and he runs into a trap of two guys in the neutral zone, and he almost coughs it up, and Broberg has to go in there and pull the puck out of danger, and then he takes it up on the counterattack, and because two Detroit guys are on Kane, then, you know, Detroit's a little bit at, uh, uh, caught off guard, and, and uh, Broberg and... and uh, Fogel, no, McLeod, uh, really made them pay for that. By the way, I've decided on Broberg, David, after waiting in vain for now, this is the third season for one reporter in Edmonton to ever ask Philip Broberg how he wants us to pronounce his name. It's never happening, even once, uh, even though it obviously causes a sensation on the Internet anytime we try to pronounce his name in its original (laughs) Swedish. Not one reporter ever asked him, so shame on you guys. Uh, but seriously, uh, what changed my mind finally, David, was yesterday I was doing a voice to text uh, to somebody and I was talking about Philip Broberry and I said Broberry and the, and the voice to text thing said blueberry or some word like that. And so I canceled that and I said Broberg and it instantly spells Broberg perfectly. <laughs> so voice to text says it's Broberg, then the matter is decided. So... <laughs> there is the, uh, there is, you know, you can go online. There's something called a, a translator. You can say the name in Swedish. Yeah. You can say names and they'll give you the pronunciation of people's names in their, in their uh-huh. native language. His name is Philip Broberry. Yeah, and know. Um, we know, you know, I know. And I, I, Bruce, I'm not like, I'm not religious about this. Mm-hmm. I, I just like, I, I would go with whatever the player, like. No, the that's why I want Peterson. reporters to ask. We don't have access to those guys. We just have access to all the people saying his name is Broberg, damn it. And we're saying always, we heard 18 Swedish announcers describe his name as Broberry during the year he was over there in Sweden and the, and the Oilers weren't playing and we were watching the game on that uh, scouting service, the Swedish games. Anyway, it's an argument we're never going to win. So I've officially thrown in the towel when even my spell checker wouldn't accept it. So, <laughs> All right. Well, maybe I'll go <laughs> along with your example. Because I don't, again, I, I wish someone would just ask. Yeah, please and, do. Uh, I don't know why Gents. they don't. Yeah. All right. Two, que- uh, two questions. How do you say your name in Swedish? How would you like us to pronounce your name here? And if the answer to the second one is Broberg, I will gladly defer because that's what he's asked for. But anyway. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened with Elias uh, Peterson hmm. in Vancouver because his name in Sweden is, is, I think it's Pedersen. And he said, no, Peterson's fine. And that's what I want to go with. So I've always said Elias Peterson here in, mm-hmm. in uh, because I think that's you. You should just respect someone's how they want to their name pronounced, yeah. especially if it's especially if it's in line with the pronunciation of their home country. I don't think it's too much to ask. It's not too hard for us to do. 
and it's not too much for the, some of the, these reporters to just say, hey, how do we say your name? Okay, mm-hmm. enough on that. Yeah. I'll go with Broberg too, Bruce, if if that's the, uh, for now, until until he rules himself. Trust your go. voice to text, David. If it does the same thing as mine, then. <laughs> I don't ever do that voice to text. I don't even know what that is, Bruce. Yeah, it's very useful. I'm, I'm uh, stuck You're a in typist it, and a fast one, I guess. But, yeah. Epoch. Uh, okay, we've said enough about that goal. What is your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with Warren Fogel, who uh, scored two goals tonight, including the winner, and could have had easily one or two more goals. Like, he was really on it tonight. Uh, hustling hard, good on the forecheck, uh, like busting into the zone and taking the defenders right to the wall, and, you know, and, and attempt to, uh, you know, just tie up the player and the puck and give uh, teammates a chance to get in on it too. And just his speed level, I thought was high. His focus was high. Uh, they said he'd been playing. He had two really good practices in Edmonton because he knows his job's on the line here right now. So, I mean, he needs to step it up. Well, tonight he stepped it up. So credit to him. And he scored the first, uh, uh, wait a minute. It was the second Oilers gold, just 36 seconds after McLeod had, yeah. had, uh, tied it and he came in uh, this was actually it was a really good play by nurse that started it off at the uh, defensive blue line and that sent away uh, uh, Fogel and Nugent Hopkins and uh, Nugent uh, uh, fed a nice pass over and he just rifled it right inside the post and just like that it was 2-1 Edmonton and you got to wonder when was the last time that uh, McDavid and Drysaddle went to the bench with the Oilers behind and came back out on the ice with the Oilers ahead. I mean, often that happens kind of the other way around, but uh, this was a nice uh, change to see those guys and they've been doing it quite a bit lately, but to, to get two right in a row from bottom lines was uh, was real nice and it was something this game badly needed because the top guys weren't getting it done. And so it was... Uh, uh, that was a nice goal. And then the third one that they gave to him was a outside shot by Vincent DeHarnay that uh, it sounded to have hit at least three things on its way into the net. I kept watching the replay and I kept hearing this tick, tick, tick of the puck hitting uh, possibly Ryan's stick. Certainly the Detroit's defenseman stick. He really got a big chunk of it. And then it might have caught uh, some piece of Fogel, possibly even the seat of his pants. In fact, the skate or something. I don't think it was a deflection off his stick, but... Nonetheless, he was in there in the, you know, in the grimy area with uh, uh, trying to screen the goalie and the puck bounced off and went in. But then, you know, he had another great chance from the slot on a one-timer. He had another great chance uh, uh, where he set up at the side of the net and couldn't quite bury it. He set up a great chance by Dylan Holloway uh, with a terrific slot pass. And he just had a lot of things going on in this game. Uh, unfortunately for him, he got stung with a minus one because he got he was a victim of a rotten Edmonton line change at the end of a power play. He was the guy who came out late, hustled his ass off to try and get back, and all, he couldn't quite get back to the goal scorer, and he gets tagged with the minus one, and all the power players with the bad line changes got off scot-free on that. So that uh, <laughs> that's how it happens sometimes. But anyway, he was... Uh, he was deserving of his two goals tonight and a huge part of why Evan won this game. That's why goals plus minus is a marginal stat. 
Well, there's there are marginal instances of it, yes, and I, I grant that to anyone. There are marginal instances of goals. I mean, the one that hit his seat his pants wasn't exactly a beauty, right? But <laughs> anyway, uh, my second good thing is just fo- focusing in on that uh, third order's goal, which I call the Californian. I always love it when the Oilers score a Californian, Bruce. I just love it, and I hate it when the opposition score one. And, and uh, we've gone over this many times, but I'll do it again for anyone new to the podcast. The Californian is specifically, I, I think, if we're, if we're going to credit anyone, it's the the owners would go to the California for years and just get beat by this kind of shot. Just throw it at the net and someone, hope you know, tip it in, hope for the best. Then it was the masters of the Californian where San Jose's Brent Burns and Joe Pavelski. And the orders got burnt many a time by those two players. So it's named in their honor, really. It's a tribute to them. It's not it's not mm-hmm. meant as any kind of slight. These are great goals. Great players. Great goals. They, great, great. Those were deliberate, perfect plays, yeah. many of them. They were, and they were painful every single time. <laughs> <laughs> this this Bruce had to be so painful to Detroit. I mean, it's just two to one then, right? The game's within mm-hmm. reach. Bam, you know, uh, Philip Broberg puts it over to Harney. De Harney throws it at the net. I think it clips off Ryan's stick, and um, and then clips off uh, the bottom of um, Fogel's pants or something, and goes in the net. The Californian takes its toll on the opposition. I love it. And by the way, Bruce, I think there there might even be another second assist that like they might give that one to Ryan. Yeah. But I think on the second goal, and I haven't mm-hmm. checked this myself. I think it clips off Hyman. Mm-hmm. It I rebounds off Hyman to, to Nugent Hopkins, but we'll, I'll have to have another look at that. Maybe One angle it looked like it, and then another angle it didn't look like it. So. Oh, okay. Well, maybe I'm uh, wrong. Yeah, there was just where it seemed to line up with the change of direction in the puck, but that was the one where Nurse took the guy out right at the boot. Yeah. On. Did he ever so, blow that guy up? Mm-hmm. Did he ever? Yeah. Nurse had a nurse. Uh, nurse had some. He didn't have a great game because he made a lot, quite mm-hmm. a few defensive mistakes, but. Um, he had some big hits. It's, it's going to be my number, David. So we'll okay, I I won't say how many, but uh, and Deharney was also really nasty out there. I just love that little skirmish with with Fabry and Deharney. I just I ate that up, Bruce. <laughs> I was on the edge of my seats. More, more, more. Just keep hitting them. Just keep flashing them. All right, yeah. uh, time for your bad thing. What is it, Bruce? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Connor McDavid's defense. In this game, specifically in the first period, but not only in the first period, I think through the game we had him with what seven yeah, mistakes seven on grade A shots, mistakes. and that, I think five of them were in the first period. And both he and Leon, coming back from the All Star game, were playing like they were still in the All Star game, where you know checking is optional, skating is kind of optional, you know, flinging the puck around. And, I mean, McDavid did eventually make a big play, I think, on the 4-2 goal, but uh, he struggled really at both ends of the ice. He didn't have a lot going on in this game. Uh, one, you know, one fantastic play where he, where he was robbed by Billy Huso. I, I was sure he'd put it through the five hole on a yeah. great move, but that was sort of... McDavid just sort of came out of the jack in the box where he'd been trapped the whole rest of the game. But uh, he, he, uh, he just didn't seem to have very good awareness in the defensive zone. And he lost to my eye, a ton of battles where it just was, you know, either he didn't engage in the battle as happened on the first, uh, goal of the game by, uh, uh, 
the three-way passing play where Bertuzzi scored. But McDavid, the guy that started that play, uh, Dylan Larkin, McDavid, he was McDavid's man along the boards, and McDavid just basically skated past him. And then a sequence of pain uh, 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 came from there. So uh, I will... I got to single it out. Like to me, it, it really stood out. But I will give those fellows a little bit of an out that they uh, uh, they learned some bad bad things when they were on uh, uh, the All Star team. Could Who's be. Who's that Vegas coach anyway? He must be brutal. <laughs> you know, uh, Jack Michaels and Louis DeBrusque were giving uh, Connor McDavid and Drysaddle credit. You know, for setting mm-hmm. the tone by instead of going just flying to Detroit, setting the yeah. tone, flying back to Edmonton for a practice, you know, to, to kind of lay down yeah, the law. Like, we're that. serious. Good, good, good. Well, what the heck happened? I mean, maybe they shouldn't have dug, put in those extra air miles because that's a lot of air miles, first of all. Mm-hmm. And um, McDavid especially was just out to lunch as a defensive hockey player. What is it? This, a minute late and a dollar short, or something like that. What's the expression? Day late and a dollar short. A dollar short. He was out on play after play. He he seemed like it. Yeah. He had maybe his worst defensive game of the season. And um, seven errors. I hope it is the worst. You know. Yeah, we didn't even <laughs> we didn't even tag him on the goal. That was my is my bad thing. And this mm-hmm. is the obvious. Bruce and I kind of had to arm wrestle a little bit for this one. This was. Was this the worst goal of the year, Bruce? It's oh, it's, it's got to be it's, real it's, close. It's in real the running because it just close. it extends awesome. to all the players on the ice on a certain and level. the coaches and the coaching <laughs> staff. So it's at the end of a power play, and every all four forwards at the end of the period, the orders are up uh, three to one. The game is in hand. It's in your mm-hmm. back pocket. Uh, you know you have a power play with a couple minutes left in the second period. You're just cruising, and they get they get um, they get one grade A shot on the power play. Nuge gets off a good shot, but other than that, it's not much is going on. And um, Tyson Berry does switch off for Darnell Nurse. Detroit breaks the puck out of out of their end, and the first kind of semi mistake is Leon Drysdale is a little late, just a little late getting back. Maybe if he had hustled a little harder, nothing develops. But he's just a little bit late. We didn't really we didn't tag Leon with a major mistake though because he yeah, does catch up. Guy out, yeah. He does catch up in the end and Nurse is on his guy covering. But there's three forwards in the offensive end. McDay there's Zach Hyman who's roughhousing with somebody, Nugent Hopkins, and McDavid. And McDavid's been knocked over. Well, and he's the last battle. guy. So he, we we have uh, exonerated him. Yeah. Exonerated uh Connor McDavid. But um why are there four forwards on the ice, Bruce? At the end of a two-minute power play, when you're nursing a one or two, a two goal, fifteen seconds left in a period, that's why a did good that question, David. Like, why was the first unit still out on the ice after two full minutes of really not doing a whole hell of a lot? And what it seemed like was they were getting more frustrated and trying to trying to make something happen late in the power play. And McDavid lost two battles in a row to the same guy. First, to get the puck knocked out of the zone, and then he. You know, rather than dump it in and change, just say, let's get to the buzzer, you know, at this point, try to make another attack. And so it was, that's where the puck got turned over. He didn't, you know, legitimately get knocked down. But uh, And then Nugent, that, I, yeah, Hyman oh, especially, I thought. Hyman like, I don't know especially. what he was doing. 
get off the ice. And Nuge, get off the ice too. Both of you, get off the ice. Change up or or don't get off the ice. Hustle back. Like, yeah, like that's what Dry back. did. That's why we exonerated him. Was that's right. He hustled back. He got back. And if someone else had hustled back, like Zach Hyman, it was Zach. It was the guy that Zach Hyman was scuffling with, who mm-hmm. got off the ice to enable the cheating line change. It was just a slight cheat, though, so I can't mm-hmm. say too much about it. But the cheating line change we'll period, it, yeah. uh, that that allows that springs the goal scorer. And um, you know, why didn't Hyman get off the ice just as fast? Well, he was five feet from the bench, David, and he turned and he just took, you know, he kind of got scummed it up with this guy a little bit on the way off and he just lost his focus there. And and because by the time he got to the bench, that was when Fogel tried to jump on to replace him. But as you say, the Detroit guy anticipated the rush and he jumped out a little ahead of Fogel and it was a, a, you know, it was a good race, but uh the Detroit guy had the had the lead Joe from Valino. the moment he jumped on the ice. Joe Valino, that's right, and uh, Fogel couldn't quite catch him, but it was it was that was a very very poor uh, whole set of circumstances. I mean, the coaches, I mean, they got to be all all over it, saying no, we need. I mean, any power play, you want to have two D men on the ice at the end of it all the time, unless it's like eight to one, or you're losing by one and you're absolutely desperate to score. And you have to take chances. But when you got the game, you know, two-goal lead, clock winding down, don't do anything foolish. Well, they did about eight different foolish things in a row. It was just terrible. It was terrible, unprofessional game management. (laughs) And if the Oilers, if that had cost you the game, oh, that that would be an ugly moment. Um, Mm -hmm. It was an ugly enough moment, but and it it didn't turn out to be that consequential, but it certainly could have been. And it's not the first time we've seen poor game management in the last uh, mm-hmm. minute of a period, and um, I just wonder if how much we're going to see it. It's it's a little. You know, I think we've probably seen it two or three times at least, where mm-hmm. with goals against, and probably more times than that with. Um, and we've seen it in overtime. You know, like the shifts get too long as well. So this is a this is an ongoing issue with this team mm-hmm. yeah. of of you know a little bit of selfish play. And and not um, not aware of what's going on on the ice, and for veteran players, it's okay I think when you're 20 or 19, yeah. but when when you're a veteran player, this it's not acceptable, and it's I think it's we're laying it on pretty heavy here. I think it's completely acceptable that we do that because that's not right that that kind of play. Right, and then right after it, Kane took a penalty at the horn. And yeah. here are the orders instead of leading 3-1 at the end of the second, or even 4-1 if the power play actually, did, you know, did its job and scored. It's 3-2, and they're facing a full two minutes shorthanded to start the third period. And that penalty by Kane was also terrible. But I don't have enough bad things to... So I'll just say some some pretty questionable decisions by key Edmonton players uh, in the last 20 to 30 seconds of the second period. And we'll, we'll call that the bad thing. Yeah, like be a Stanley okay. Cup team. Don't be the don't be that team that does that. Be mm-hmm. a Stanley Cup. Don't get Cup sucked team. into it. Yeah. Okay, Bruce, what's your number? Oh, uh, oh, right, that was your bad thing. Uh, yeah, my number is six, uh, and these are things that Darnell Nurse did good in this game. Uh, all of them after the first period, which I thought he among quite a number of his teammates had a pretty rough first period. They had a great sort of three or four minutes at the start, and then, who oh boy, it was just a fire drill. And he was part of that fire drill. Uh, but 
in the second and third periods, he made a number of big plays. Uh, I don't think any of them showed up on the on the score sheet. I mean, one showed up on the scoreboard, but he didn't get credit for it. That was the uh, uh, that was the two one goal uh, when he went out and blew up uh, the uh, Detroit guy at the blue line, uh, creating the turnover that ultimately wound up with the uh, uh, Nuge and Fogel two on one, which they converted. And he didn't just merely check the guy. Like, he went right through him. He crunched him. And he blowed him up good. And uh, that was uh, uh, that was a key play. Uh, he made uh, uh, another big hit. And this was in the defensive zone after his temporary po- uh, partner, Evan Bouchard, had coughed the puck up. And it went to a Detroit guy in the slot, and Nurse came hustling over and just mashed the guy before he could even get a shot away. It didn't show up in our scoring chance document because there was no shot. Nurse just erased was the guy. Yeah, Rasmussen. He had a tough game, Rasmussen. He got uh, he got bullied two or three times in this game. Uh, so there was that. Uh, there was the time that uh, Nurse cleared the crease in front of his own net in the third period when he took down that that um, Tyler Bertuzzi oh, yeah, character, that was nephew of Todd, and uh, not a player that's one of, on my favorites list, let's put it that way. So I have to admit I, I cheered pretty good for that one. I, I suppose they could have called it, but as Jack said, that's just clearing the crease, which is exactly what I said it was. And Louis, I've seen them call less. And I'm going, <laughs> yeah, you have, and they have. But And then uh, the other three plays were all passes by Nurse, two great stretch passes uh, that led to uh, excellent chances by Oilers. I think one of them wasn't even on net, so again, we didn't credit it. And one led to the uh, uh, Fogel to Holloway pass. I think that was the one. Mm-hmm. And it was Nurse just ripping a beautiful pass right up the middle of the ice and hit from you know his own blue liner inside it and hitting his teammate at the far blue line and, and springing him. And then the sixth and last was also a great pass uh, from the left point to Fogel at the edge of the right crease that Fogel just barely whiffed on and was uh, just hit it off the side of the net rather than in the net. But I thought three three superb passes by this defenseman that supposedly can't make a pass if you listen to the internet. And uh, uh, three sort of taking command physically of the game moments and I would argue we probably haven't seen enough of that, and I welcome it. I thought those are those are very big plays by him, and he's not going to get a great grade because he didn't have a great game, but he sure had some great moments within this game. It's an interesting team, Detroit. Eh? I'm just looking at them like they're, mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Bertuzzi had a he was a he had a pretty good year previously, not so much this year. It's interesting because they never they, in in their rebuild. It's really around. A couple of players, Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider, who are both mm-hmm. fantastic players. They, but they've missed. They missed on the uh, Zadina draft pick, and um, we'll see. They, they drafted a defenseman called uh, Simon Edvinson, sixth overall, uh, two years ago. So, so They're a lot's counting on that. Him. They're very they, happy with him. I wonder if they have. Um, you know, I just wonder. You know, because people are expecting the Steve Eiserman team to. Um, to do what he did in Tampa, but I just wonder if they're in the end going to have the horsepower. They do have a lot of really good young players, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. Ed- Edvinson's in Grand Rapids this year as a 19 year, a 20 year old. So, uh, Bruce, my number um, 
is uh, 78%. That's Ryan McLeod's face-off percentage this game. Um, seven wins and two losses. And and I'm not pick, I'm not. I just think that number is indicative of his play in the game. I thought it was his in some ways his uh, most physical game. He just seemed to be engaged physically, um, making hits, uh, playing puck protecting, um, making defensive plays, strong defensive plays. I'm really impressed with Ryan McLeod as an even strength hockey player. I think he's capable of being their third line center in the playoffs. Um, I'm not against them picking up another guy like because McLeod can do that or he could play the wing. Um, you know, if they picked up, you know, if they figured out a way to get Jonathan Taves, I'm not going to complain. It's not like McLeod will be out of the lineup, but um, he's becoming a very good two-way hockey player. And um, he's got, is it nine goals now? Um, starting to put the puck in the net. He's making plays. He's making nice, nice passes. Uh, he's getting his confidence at the NHL level. He's a better player than I thought he was going to be. We watched him. We also watched him very closely in the Swiss League um, during the mm-hmm. lockout or the COVID year. Is that what it was? The COVID year, not a lockout year. And um, he was, you know, he he seemed like a super fast and somewhat skilled. But you see that kind of player all the time who doesn't really Especially get in involved. Swiss yeah, <laughs> in the guts of the game and become fierce enough essentially to play in the NHL. But we're starting to see that with him. He's he's be, he's he's raised his level of intensity, and uh, he plays a solid game. I like Ryan McLeod a lot. Yeah, he's played well of late. I mean, uh, he's got six goals in his last ten games now, uh, and um, uh, most of that damage he's been doing, you know, not playing on a stacked line with uh, one or two of the superstars setting him up. You know, this was. Uh, uh, not that he didn't have a nice setup tonight, you know, but he's playing, you know, sort of down the lineup and he's still finding a way to produce offense. I mean, six goals in, in 10 games. I mean, that's a that's pretty much a 50-goal pace if you can keep it up over a whole year. So obviously it's a hot streak because I think before that he was 18 without or something like that. But he's turned it around with a bullet and scored some big goals in, in, along the way. Like some of, those, uh, some of those goals have come in key times like tonight's. Like tonight, Edmonton was not even threatening until that goal, really. That's yeah. It, uh, yeah. Jack and Louie were talking about the competition at the forward at the forward lines, which I think actually really is real and pushes players to achieve. And they mentioned McLeod, but I, I think with McLeod, it's more a case of get him getting healthy and kind of picking up where he left off before he got injured. Right. Because he was he was really starting to fly then. And now he's flying again. Obviously, he's he's doing really well. He's he's an interesting hockey player, Bruce. He could be the Craig McTavish of this uh, this particular uh, incarnation of the Oilers. Yeah, well, he's got the skill to get by and sort of you know not hurt you. But I think if he does ramp up that intensity and and sort of accept and even welcome the battle element yes. of the game, yeah, uh, that uh, that he can be a superior. You know, checking line forward or possibly more, because you know when he does play like that, you know it's not like he never does it. And when he does play like that, he's more effective to my eyes. Uh, and other games, he's kind of uh, prone to floating a bit on the periphery. 
And even then, there's things that he can do, you know, rush the puck from, you know, uh, transport the puck, as we like to say, from, you know, one zone to the to uh, to the other uh, and, you know, get the get puck moving in the right direction. He's a decent penalty killer. Uh, but when he sort of uh, gets his nose dirty and, and uh, this was always a knock against him, even from the earliest scouting reports from before Edmonton drafted him, that was sort of a watch out for and uh, I think he's starting to get it, and he you know, he is getting it sporadically. Let's put it that way. And at the point that he gets it and just sort of buys in that this is how I have to play on an ongoing basis, is the the day that he becomes sort of a significant difference maker. It's kind of nice how many players the Oilers have who can play center and play play it well. I mean, uh, you know, they, so they got McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, and Drysaddle. They have McLeod. Um, they've got Derek Ryan. They've got um, um, Dylan Holloway, you know, who played center. Now, he hasn't done it at the NHL level, but he's also a possibility. So they have, you know, all these guys. Uh, I think I'm, am I missing anyone? But uh, there's a number of options, so it's excellent. Here's an odd detail from tonight's event summary. Edmonton had zero, count them, zero players who are listed as right wingers in this game. Yamamoto's on IR, Pugliarvi's on uh, was the healthy scratch tonight. And none of the other guys that they got are natural right wingers. I mean, Hyman has been a left winger for, uh, you know, most of his career because when he broke into Toronto, there was like four great rookie right wingers and Hyman. So he was the one who made the switch. But uh, Derek Ryan, you know, when they came to this team last year, Hyman thought he'd be a left winger. Derek Ryan thought he would be a center. Warren Fogel thought he'd be a left winger. Well, tonight they all took turns at right wing. So did Matthias Janmark, normally a left winger. So they, they've really uh, had, uh, you know, I'd say a weakness on that side. Uh, and they're kind of scrambling to fill it. And they're using guys from other positions to, to cover it off. But tonight was the extreme case where there wasn't any natural right wings in the lineup give or take Hyman, where at least you can make the argument, well, he shoots right, but even he likes to play left side, so strange. All righty, Bruce, well, let's leave it there. you got some work to do tonight. You're going to do the game great, so um, I'll let you get at it. What's And the next game's Thursday night against... Um, Philly. Philly. Yeah, and then Saturday and Sunday morning, be forewarned, early starts on the east coast of, of Canada, Ottawa, and then Montreal, or other way around. I think it's Ottawa. First, uh, with the idea being that on Super Bowl Sunday, uh, they sometimes do play games in Canada, but even in Canada, they like to have the games over and done with long before kickoff of the Super Bowl. So they they play early games on the East Coast, and uh, that's what uh, that's what we get on Sunday. So, alrighty, okay, Bruce. Thanks again. Thanks for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.